how do you deal with bad days as a creative leader? Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made By Things, this is the Command Z Show. <laughs> All right. So uh, my name is Matt. We're here, and I'm here with uh, with Shelby. Say hi, Shelby. Hello. <laughs> that sounded like a hostage negotiation of some kind, no, where I'm like, hi. I promise she's she's fine. I haven't heard her. <laughs> say say you're happy and healthy, quick. Happy, healthy, I'm fine. Um, Don't worry. <laughs> Please send money. <laughs> I'm blinking um, twice. <laughs> she's holding up a sign that says help right now i don't know what that's all about but <laughs> anyway uh we have uh, a guest guest reveal yourself hello i'm jeremy uh jeremy locks <laughs> hey jeremy is also part of this hostage negotiation <laughs> and uh yeah, let's just say that ransom is $2 million, $1 million for each of them, and then I'll let them each go from this uh, podcast. That's, that sounds fair, <laughs> right? I guess while I have you, though, uh, Jeremy, you, uh, we, we met each other a while back and uh, immediately captivated by the photography that you were doing and the video that you were doing. You were, I don't know, telling stories like legit stories through your work and it 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 got my attention pretty much immediately and kind of made me a spectator for life on just kind of your journey honestly um thanks man yeah that's very kind of you to say <laughs> no it's it, I, I mean the the projects that you've done and just the ground that you've sort of covered like physically even <laughs> the ground that you've covered um, yeah. has been incredibly impressive and um let's see here so over the last couple of years you've uh sort of turned this uh, individual operation into a little bit more of a of a team operation right yeah yeah absolutely right so that kind of leads me to a big question that i have for you are oh, you ready man. so ready for it all right. So, you know, during this time that you have been building a team, we inevitably have bad days, right? All, all of us do whenever we are trying to do anything beyond what we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So the question that I have for you is, how do you deal with bad days as a creative leader? Oh, Man, that is a big question. <laughs> I see what you mean by big. I can, it's just uh, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Right. Um, I the, my immediate thought when you ask that is when my personal life feels like a storm. How do I continue momentum and positive? Uh, a positive attitude in the workplace. <clears throat> um, to be completely honest with you, I'm wearing noise canceling headphones, so this is like really distracting <laughs> to me. I feel like I'm in a freaking like, uh, I feel like I'm underwater. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. 
Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know how loud I am. So I'm just <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're, Sorry. You're yelling really loud, but you're good. No, you're you're no, fine. To be honest, I don't. This is definitely an area that I have not even come close to perfecting, and I would I would say it's probably my biggest weakness. Um, and I think people who know me well would agree that it's a both a strength and a weakness. Um, but definitely a weakness when you're a boss or a leader um, of people because you have to be able to walk confidently and lead well um, every day um, because you're kind of steering the ship, if that makes sense. And if, (laughs) if, if I show up you know, and I'm just like, man, I can't even hold on to this wheel. It's like we're going to hit a wave and go down. Um, I have to be able to just walk in in confidence and confidently steer the ship. Um, right. Which sounds very grandiose and like, what does that really mean? Um, I wish that I had a good answer because I really struggle not just being myself. And um, I really struggle... Um, cause I want to be like, I don't really have great mental boundaries between work and life, to be honest. Like I'm very much so if I'm having a bad day, the whole staff kind of can tell. Um, right. and it's something I just had serious conversations with my staff the other day about how I want to improve in that area. Like I have I action items of like, here's what I'm going to start doing. This is what I'm putting. I'm going to implement into my life in order to improve here because the truth is it's, you know, it's just not an ideal way to operate a business is to have uh, blurry lines between work and life, if that makes sense. Right. But it, um, going back to what you said about steering the ship, that's 100% the thing that I always think about is that, you know, even when the seas are rough, I, we're, we're pirates in this in this world that I'm living in, I guess. Uh, when when the seas are rough, I don't think that people necessarily expect us to know what we're doing at any point as as leaders. But I think, I mean, I think that they would hope that we know what we're doing. <laughs> but I think what's almost more important is that sort of honesty and that transparency of like, hey, listen, like based on where we're at right now, based on what my compass is telling me, based on like all the data that I can put together, here's where we're going to go. And it's like, because if, if you're not confident in, in any of those things, yeah, then you, mutiny is <laughs> is the risk, right? <laughs> and mutiny generally looks like just everyone quitting. <laughs> yeah, but it's like tough, like, because... I wish I knew how to read my compass better, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> of just a lot of times I'm like, okay, I don't really know how to read this thing. I don't really know what the next two months look like, you know, right. but I'm hopeful. I think right. there's going to be water, you know, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting, we're really going with this analogy. So I'm going to keep, keep rolling. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um, but it's like, okay, what, what things are in the compass necessarily? Like, what what yeah. are the items that you use to help make your decisions you know um and yeah I don't know. i'm not sure if you can answer that but <laughs> i know it's a tough yeah. one um 
Yeah, I constantly am torn between operating off of momentum and operating off of money in the bank. Right. Um, and I think I gravitate toward operating on momentum. Basically, like, here's what I've seen. The snowball's continuing to roll and get bigger. Therefore, I can make decisions based off of the pattern that I've seen. Um, right. So, uh, I guess, like, when I'm looking, when I'm trying to understand what's ahead and project the future so that I can make decisions based off of that, um, I think I lean too much into momentum and not enough into um, uh, true numbers, if that makes right. sense. And that's, I, I honestly, I feel like I'm the opposite. The numbers have always scared me. Like they really have. I don't know if it's just, you know, the, the background that I have the family that I have, we I think I've talked about this several times in episodes of the podcast, but like it wasn't a poor family, but we were just surviving, basically. There, w there was no extras. Um, I mean, even at that time, I don't know. I just, I just didn't ask for things usually, other than like Nintendo 64 games occasionally. But like outside of that, it was like, you know, you don't really get a whole lot. And during that time, it was always like, especially my mom always trying to be like, hey, you just, whatever you do, just make a lot of money doing whatever you do. And I'm like, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, everybody would do that if they could. But like, I, I much more preferred the idea of doing something that would make me happy than something that would make me a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, so like, it's just maybe that background for me, it was... I don't know, paying, paying extra attention to those numbers just because I, that's the way that I was raised, I guess. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, for some reason this memory, pretty much I remember this memory every day uh, from my childhood of I was riding on this uh, on my school bus and my bus driver took a wrong turn when going down a hill. And the school bus slipped, the tire slipped off the road went into Jeez. the dirt and then the school bus rolled all the way down into a ditch um, and then crashed and everyone was fine and but everyone was freaking out screaming i remember i was sitting in the school bus seat looking out the window and as it was happening i literally didn't make a peep or a sound or i didn't even move i maintained my like posture and my like everything if that makes sense and i remember thinking to myself why did i not react like everyone else if that makes sense and i think about that a lot <clears throat> um but the next morning in the newspaper it said jeremy locks um you know third grader said everyone was screaming and that was the only thing they quoted me from because <laughs> it's a news reporter but uh i oh, still geez. have that clipping but nice. <laughs> the reason I say that is because I feel like me personally, I oftentimes maintain a composure during times of storms, if that makes right. sense, which right. is it works to my benefit, I think. Um, and I think uh, I don't get anxiety 
the same way as other people. It's like when you were describing with money with you, like that's mm-hmm. it doesn't really give me. I'm like processing this as I'm talking. No, to be no, honest, like that's, like, that's, that's why we honestly do these yeah. these podcasts. Like we're trying to <laughs> we're all trying to process things, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm like because uh, that's not necessarily true. I do get anxious over money, but I do feel like I have this weird threshold of just being able to weather something that would make a normal person you know wig right. out if that makes sense yeah I, I think you sort of have to be I, there's a couple of things i want to go to here uh, one yeah, yeah I, I think if you decide that you want to have a business it's i don't know especially whenever i was younger like just starting my career it was like okay yeah i can do these things and i want to have a business because i want the freedom right that was i didn't know even what that really meant like at the time mm-hmm. but it was like i just i want that freedom but yeah once you really get into it it's like oh oh like there's a lot more that you have to do here mm-hmm. and it's it's tough it's it's definitely not for everybody and i don't mm-hmm. say that to discourage anybody because it's it's something you can learn it if you really want to you can learn every little piece of it um and that's i don't know i guess that's that's how i've always felt is that i don't know things things will generally happen and then you'll be like oh how do we solve that? And it's like, oh, I have to solve that. Like, I need to learn how to. Um, yeah, it's like know, no one else is going to do it for right. you. I, I have to learn how to register my business in South Dakota to hire a person in South Dakota. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> right? Is that where you are, Shelby? Yep, that's, that's yeah. my base. Nice. <laughs> it's it's not it's not difficult once you do it a couple of times it's not like the craziest thing in the world but every state's different so it's like but it's just that's a little example and then all of a sudden you get a a, a letter from the IRS saying like hey you didn't pay as much in taxes as we think you need to pay and going through a year long process of like I think I did <laughs> but it doesn't work like that you can't just tell the IRS yes I did um that's not what they do so it's it's a bit of a process to do that and then in the end it's splitting the difference because you want to make the problem go away and (laughs) it's there's just so many little things that come up to be a leader especially a business owner um absolutely the the other thing i was going to say now uh, i can't remember what book this is from uh i think it's i want to say it's from principles from ray dalio um, he talks about, I hope I'm right on that one. <laughs> uh, he talks about how there's a wartime CEO and a peacetime CEO. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes those people are completely different. And very rarely can one person be both a wartime CEO and a peacetime CEO. Interesting. I've never heard that. It, it is interesting. It, it made me think about things completely different. And I realized that for me, I'm a wartime P- CEO. That's, that's what I am especially like going through COVID that made me excited. Like, Oh shit. Like no one's calling anymore. How do we solve this? And like, you know, what I I posted on, on LinkedIn yesterday was like, you know, whenever things got real bad, like it was scary, but I, I still, I enjoyed that challenge. I, I don't know. I love that competitive spirit of just like, let's figure this out. Yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. It's, well, I was going to say, like, I uh, I feel like I absolutely hate that space. I, um, I definitely feel like I thrive 
when I'm my back's against the wall and I make right. good decision, but I would never ever choose to be there. I just hate it. Right. Um, if that makes sense. But how do you, it's, it's like this idea of, of growing at all. Like you have to, if you want to grow, you have to push yourself. I, I guess I'm going to go to like a, a fitness idea here where it's like you, you, you know, you do curl ups until it fails. Right. I don't remember what they call that, but it's like you, you do you, you don't count them. You just keep doing them until you literally just give out your arms. Um, but like, yeah. that's like one of the truest ways to kind of build that muscle is like, I don't know for me anyways, is how I think about it. It's just like, it's running into the, the danger as far as I can until I just drop. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's, it's not the best way to be, but that's how I, that's how I think about it. I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, so like, yeah. I guess the question is like, how do you, how do you grow if you're not pushing? I suppose, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd say <laughs> yeah. it's a good point. Um, I think there's a big difference between going to the gym willingly and someone breaking your legs and mm. having to go through yep. physical therapy. Right. Um, and I would love to go to the gym and grow and get better, but I definitely would never choose to have to go to physical therapy because something blindsided me and made right. me go there, if that makes sense. Um, no, it, it does. That's an interesting I, way to look at it. Um, so how do you grow is your question. I think, well, first off, we got to establish the definition of growth and right. what, what does that actually look like. Um, and I think everyone's inclination is to think of money because we're in America. Mm -hmm. That's what right. growth is. Uh, more money you make, the more you're growing. And it is the oil to the engine, so you get, you need it to operate a business. Um, it is. I just don't want. I don't want to measure growth that way. Right. Um, even though I kind of feel like I'm forced to have to, mm -hmm. because I can't expand my mission here at Locks Creative. I can't expand that um, without that money. And right. it's very easily easy to get blindsided and fall into this trick of that's all I'm focused on is money in the bank, constantly thinking about payroll, constantly thinking about the bills to pay. And then I've kind of gotten totally tricked by the system and I've lost heart and why I'm on this journey to begin with. Um, I guess like to go back to our boat analogy, right. it'd be like, I'm, I'm on the deck scooping out water from the boat. Um, so much that no one's on the steering wheel and we've arrived back at the Island because the, the currents took us ashore. Um, and the money is the water on the boat. And, if you're on a sinking ship and you're all you're thinking about is how do I continue to um, get water off this boat? You're no longer on your journey. You're just staying alive. If that makes sense. So how do you right. grow? I guess the best way to grow to answer your question 
is to um, not overextend yourself, not to push this bef prematurely, not to push this okay. mission prematurely, to stay invested in the heart of what you're doing. Um, and if you stay invested in the heart of what you're doing, then you might crash, but maybe that was what you needed to do all along right. to get back to why you, where you started. If that makes sense. Go ahead, Shelley. Yeah, I think that a lot of this comes into knowing your own boundaries um, and knowing how far you can grow at that time, um, whether that be financially or artistically or where you're at. I think it comes with a lot of self-reflection knowing where you can go in that moment. A lot of it's being able to go back into yourself, reflect on where you're at, how far can you grow? And I mean, at least for me, like in the past year, especially, um, I'm working on a, a feature film right now. And it's like, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that last year because of where I was at both artistically and financially and you know, my own security, but knowing, okay, this is how far I can push it. This is my budget. This is how far I can go. And on the next one, you know, maybe we'll be able to grow a little bit more than that. So I think it's definitely knowing what your boundaries are and knowing when to push and when not to push. Yeah, and I think I'm definitely, and I like what you said there, Shelby. I think I'm definitely seeing it through the lens of um, growth as a team rather than growth as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what you touched on, Shelby, is perfect for like growth as an individual artist. Um, I think my mindset currently and what's going on in my life is very much so team, if that makes sense, or the company. Right. Well, I mean, That's going cool. with the boat analogy, then it's your crew. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And what's what's driving you to continue to scoop water? Mm -hmm. It's it's making sure that you're taking care of your crew. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, without without the crew. And no, no one person can <laughs> steer a ship, I guess. Yeah. Huh. I don't. We've overextended this analogy. You think so? <laughs> no, no, we no, got I'm at least kidding. twenty more minutes on this. I think. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, for me, it's it's weird because like you. I guess you, you go through good seasons and you go through bad seasons. So again, kind of go into like the wartime peacetime, like you do go through these little rhythms. And for me, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's the worst thing ever. Again, kind of what we were just talking about, like, you know, pushing till you fail kind of thing. I don't necessarily think that's the, the worst strategy because I don't know. I, I guess I agree with, with, like I said, just pushing it until you've gone too far. Otherwise, how mm -hmm. do you know that you've gone too far? Mm -hmm. You can't, I just, I don't feel like you can learn those things until you really try them. And yes, it, it does, it, it, sometimes it breaks your legs, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know, I think that, you know, you, you get better and you learn from those things. And I think that that's why some of the, most successful business people in the world have been through hell on multiple occasions usually 
And um, not to say that I think that all those people are special or amazing people necessarily, but they've they've been through something that helped them get as far as they wanted to go. And I guess yeah, it, it comes to that. Like, how how far do you want to go? I think is is the question. You know, um, absolutely. Me, I'm gonna take a little bit of a step back, step yeah. back for just a moment. Sure. Because um, I think that like you're kind of speaking to something, and I don't think anyone really knows yeah, just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, you, you you explain kind of where you're at with your business right now today. Yeah. So um, we have been we were we had momentum for a very long time. Where you know, like just the day before this call. I texted you yesterday, Matt, and kind of told you very honest, like, hey, here's where I'm at. Just wanted to let you know, like, this is my headspace right now before we jump into this podcast. But, um, I, you know, just yesterday and today, I've been punching numbers and figuring out that momentum that I was alluding to. Um, what has been our momentum that we've been operating on and what happened recently? So in the last five months, we've lost steam momentum um project inquiries basically you know we've basically came to a halt um we got a couple inquiries recently but we we you know we chase those leads down and then they end up being a dead end and we've we've poured a ton of resource and time into them which a lot of people are familiar with which happens but the hope is that you find that like needle in the haystack where like, okay, right. it was worth all that time and you've ironed right. out your systems and stuff like that. But what happens when the, you know, the unthinkable happens and you haven't booked a project in like five weeks, which is our case right now. We haven't booked a project in five weeks. Right. And for a while, we were booking two projects a week. And that was our normal. That was our average for a long time. So it's been five weeks today, and on my fifth, that we have still not received a project. And it's interesting hearing your perspective, Matt, because I know you've come out of seasons like this, and so have I. Mm -hmm. But I've never been at the size of, of where I am now mm -hmm. with an 11-person staff. And, um, you know, my staff is very aware of what's going on. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, I've never been at this high of a risk, you know. Oftentimes, I kind of equate it to walking alongside of a cliff. And the cliff, as the business grows, gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, whereas when I was, you know, I had one employee, the risk was like, oh, I fell and I right. sprained my arm. Now it's like, if I feel like I fall, I'm, everything's over, if that makes sense, because of how deep. So um, I, I definitely feel currently where we're at is, is a scary season for me and my staff. Um, yeah. But all of us are extremely hopeful and optimistic about what the future holds. We're currently in conversations with people about uh, projects that we feel very hopeful about um, and sorry if I'm going too long on this Matt um, no, no. feel free to stop me but um, the, the one thing I was thinking of when we were doing our boat analogy I was thinking of like me personally I uh, 
I spent so much time trying to pretend like the water wasn't getting in um, and like scooping it off before anyone saw it. Um, and I finally got to a point where I felt it was time to bring the crew to the deck and say, hey, here's the water. It's actually been happening for a few weeks now and I didn't want to scare you because I was afraid you were going to jump right. off and swim ashore or something. And I think the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it didn't go that easy. Like I definitely, there was some, you know, conflicts that occurred in that conversation. But um, I think what I'm learning is to be more transparent and to put my pride aside to say, hey team, like let's fix this together rather than Jeremy trying to pretend like everything's okay and right. cross my fingers. So uh, right. that's kind of what's been going on. That's so a lot of things that I want to speak on there. Whenever COVID started, <clears throat> that that's kind of how I was where, I mean, at that point it was just one employee uh, and, and myself. So whenever it started, I was like, okay, we're not booking any projects like that's weird when people started backing out like we had like a couple projects lined up we had one that was like we booked at like the perfect time and it kind of took us a couple months later but it wasn't until like i I didn't i didn't want to you know i didn't want to admit it myself like that's what you're saying right now is like exactly where i was at that point and um like I couldn't admit it to myself, let alone somebody else, that like things weren't going great. And honestly, it wasn't until that employee said, uh, "Look, we, we we haven't been working on anything in a while." And he's like, "If you need me to like not work for a while, he's like, I'll be fine." Like, he's like, "We haven't wor- we haven't had any work in a while, so I know that things like aren't going great right now." And it wasn't until that happened where I was like, "You know what? Everybody." Nobody wants to see you fail, right? No, nobody. Not even your enemies necessarily want to see you fail. I, I don't believe anyway. Like, and it's especially the same thing with employees or a team that you have. Like, nobody wants you to fail. They, they all want to, you know, continue if, as long as they enjoy what they're doing anyway. <laughs> like, they all want to be there and they all want to help in some way. And that, that was a huge click for me where I was like, you know what? I, I was, I was trying to do all this on my own and trying to just like figure this out. And I didn't even stop to think for a moment that I could just be honest and transparent and like, here's what's happening. How, how do we solve this? Um, but basically after that, I was like, you know what? Even when it comes to finances, I'm going to be open with my team and tell them exactly like, at the end of every year, it's like, all right, here's what we did. Uh, here's what that profit was. Uh, here's the profit share of everybody's getting. Here's how much we gave to charity. Here's how much we need for operating expenses in the following year. So for me, it was like that that moment right there was like, you know what? I I need to be more transparent. And it, it could, I, I can definitely see that it could be bad in some ways. But I think that if you have the right people on your team... Again, they all want to see success and they all want to be a part of it. And obviously they want to be compensated <laughs> fairly, right? Based on, based on that. So that's, that's the thing, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I just, I don't know. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to is 
you know, you're going to have those moments. And I think it is just even as, as early as you can. Well, Let me take, uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I feel like uh, there's one or two things that can happen when you bring the team together and say, um, here's what's going on. We need help. Or, you know, this, this is not going as planned. There's two responses. One is, okay, I'm going to start looking for other jobs. I'm going to save right. myself, um, which is totally reasonable. And that's totally fine. Right. Or they could come up to you and link their arms with you and say, all right, what well, I'm here. I'm going to figure this out alongside you. And right. that's two responses, both of them not being wrong and totally right. understandable. Um, but it, 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 I think it is what people deserve and what your team deserves to know. Because, you know, if it does end up failing, it's important that it was on everyone's radar. Right. And now, like, not just that, but they can also help. Like, it just, it's just throwing out simple ideas like, hey, what if we tried this or tried this, mm -hmm. you know, and to open your mind to think through solutions. Right. One of Shelby, were you say yeah, something? I was just gonna say that well, kind of like a team perspective. I um, I used to work for a company where there was very little transparency. There was almost zero communication between management and the people who were working production and the creatives. And it was so frustrating because you know we'd work on a project and then all of a sudden it's gone. And they they knew that it was gonna happen for you know maybe months in advance. Or there's problems with the company and there's absolutely zero communication or, oh, there might be a layoff, but you never know, maybe. Or it'll be mentioned on the sideline. And right. I think that just being able to have that kind of communication, being open and honest with your people, means the world to them. Because, I mean, even for me, I mean, even if something bad is happening within a company, I'm a pretty loyal person. And I'm just happy to be able to help out and try and do something. And I think that if you create an environment where people feel comfortable to be able to talk about their issues or create an environment where you're completely honest with them about what's happening, they will stick around and they, they will help out just because, you know, you're open and honest with them. They're going to be honest with you and help. And I want to be clear. Like, I definitely feel that, uh, and, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying, mm -hmm. Shelby. And I definitely feel that, uh, this has been a, a hard lesson learned for me um, because I don't feel that what's transpired in my company has went down the way I wish it had. And hindsight's twenty twenty, but like I definitely wish I had like um, done things differently, if that makes sense. So right. um, hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> dang, I should have done that. You know, yeah. I'm thinking through all these things in my head. I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. But I, but like I said, though, like how, how else do we learn these things? You can read them as much as you want in a book. You can have somebody else tell you, but there's just, there's no better lessons in the world than things actually happening. So going back to, um, COVID when, whenever that employee of mine said, Hey, you know, what, let me go. I said, you know what? Let's just, rather than like it be a whole thing, like you just cut you off. Like, let's just go down to part-time. This, this was a different scenario. Obviously, the whole world is going through something. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't as simple as like, oh, I can just go get another job somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Because nobody at that time was really trying to hire, you know. Um, but for me, it was uh, one, honestly, getting a PPP loan, which was the first thing where it's like, 
well, hell yeah. Like, that keeps us going for at least a little bit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that's, honestly, it was like a week even after that. Well, anyway, so the one employee, he took a Friday off. And then by Monday, he was back full time at that point. So it was like, we had one day of just not being great. <laughs> and so we, I, we didn't have to go through a whole bunch of things. Anyway, so... Mm-hmm. It was probably a few weeks later where we started to get projects going again. And that's when I was like, you know what? I need to change the offering that we have altogether. Nobody's spending, uh, you know, five figures on videos right now. So it was like, okay, well, what do I have to do? And this was another one of those times for me where I'm like, you know what? Let's sit down. Let's think and just write and just be away from everything. And that was where I came up with that idea of like, you know what? Let's let's do some stop motion stuff like real cheap like yeah big businesses have a spending a spending freeze right now but smaller ones they still need marketing and if they see something that's at a price point where they just can't pass it up let's see how i can make that work i think i took so you up was, on it <laughs> that's right you did yeah. i forgot about that <laughs> but like that yeah. was and that was that was one of my favorite videos actually it was because we got to tell a great Thanks. story with that and I, I shot that myself right behind me here. Yeah, I set up a yeah, piece of plywood. Yeah, I FaceTimed you. Yeah. And like, <laughs> but like, that was fun. It really was. That was one of the greatest moments that I will ever have in this company was, and again, it kind of comes back to this idea of being a wartime CEO of like, I just, I, I love those, those things. I love those challenges. It was fun to create four videos every single day for an entire week that were stop motion. Um, you know, again, thinking that we'd only just do a couple, but it turned into a thing. And, you know, since then, I've kind of had to, I don't know, put the whole stop motion thing to sleep a little bit. But even still, like I get people that are right now in my email, there's there's someone that's interested in doing like six stop motion videos for a major college. And I'm like, we haven't done anything like that in like six, eight months now. But it's, it's fun to know that because of that effort that we put in at that moment, it's still an asset that is still working yeah. for us, you know? Um, so it's, it's just so in, interesting. Yeah. As much as you can, yeah. It, you just feel like uh, sometimes it's so, like I, I've been there, you know, where projects are coming left and right, you know, we are thriving as a team and delivering our best work. Um, it sucks when <laughs> that stops, like those inquiries right. like just stop coming through. So how do you operate as a business owner? I think the practical question here is how do you have a healthy way of proceeding in your creative business when um, all projects can stop. So there's a lot of people will say you need this much cash in the bank per employee before you even hire someone. And I'm like, that's so, um, it's good to have those practices, but I feel like every industry is just so different. Right. Um, so I think the practical question here is what's a healthy way to, you know, operate your creative business. Um, and, you know, be aware of the potential risks of, right. you know, project inquiry stopping, if that makes I, sense. I, I have a, a very big answer there. 
and uh, it's again during during that time i was like how I, how do i prevent this from ever happening again and it's it's inevitable there's going to be bad days i get it and i'll have to think of a new way to figure that out but right now it came down to it came down to data i I needed to understand the data better. How do I foresee things that are going to happen if I don't take any action? I call it the our KPIs if you if you want. Our key performance indicators of like, okay, what what are those things for us? One is leads. Um we I mean as of right now, and I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but we see between two and three leads per week. It used to be one, two per month. And that has been directly proportionate to the financial health of the company. So to me, I'm like, oh, there we go. If we have, this is some super practical advice here, but like yeah. I, this, what I do personally is I'm measuring those leads constantly. I have them on a calendar. Whenever they come in, first thing I do is put them on that calendar. If it's been a week and we haven't seen anything, I'm like, okay weird if it's been two weeks and we haven't seen anything all right little little concern if it's been three weeks i gotta do something something's something's wrong like that that goes beyond like you know obviously there's always those times of the year too where people go on vacations people just aren't really trying to do big projects or anything so and that's right now for most people so i for me if i was to get try to diagnose the situation that you're in. I absolutely believe that has to play a part in it, right? Is that we're at the beginning of summer where everyone's trying to take their vacations and maybe in their head, they're like, you know what, whenever I get back, then I'll reach out to this person and we'll figure some stuff out. Yeah. It's um, funny that you say but, that. We, Sarah and I, uh, our business developer, her and I were talking. It's like, we feel it's been constant where we get an inquiry we get all the way up to the decision, and then it's like, hey, I'm going on vacation. We'll talk to you when I get back. So it's been oh, very geez. much so like that. So I think you're right there where it's like uh, vacations are happening. Right. So I don't but But again, though, it's like for me, that's that's the only early indicator that I have that something is not going well. Um, and sometimes it's there's a lot of factors, right? Like I'm always keeping in mind, like, okay, what is our average project cost? And I'm trying to increase that each year because we want to do less projects. So I'm like, all right, well, how, you know, over the last three months, what has been the cost of all of our projects? What's that average? Are we going in the right direction? Are we taking on a bunch of $3,000 projects that aren't going to really help do anything for us? Or are we taking on like much bigger projects? Like I, I try to measure all of those things. So going back to leads, right? If I go back to that and it was like, well, what do I do to get more, right? And that's, that's the toughest question in all of business, right? Is how do you get customers? How do you get more clients? And there's so much there. Mm -hmm. I can go into this for a little bit. I'm gonna try not to do it for too long, but... Um, I break things down. Anytime that anybody works with us and we go through our discovery phase, I go through the sales funnel with them. And most most companies have a sales funnel of some kind, but I'm like, break it down for me. What do you do here? What do you do there? What do you do here? So it starts off with awareness. 
basically nobody can you're not going to be able to meet somebody and them decide to buy from you in the same conversation it doesn't work mm -hmm. especially with business to business people might impulsively buy a toothbrush if you put it in front of them but this isn't a toothbrush so it there's something more here so it's it comes down to awareness uh it's at the top of the funnel awareness so i'm like okay well what do we need to do to be able to get more awareness and that's why I spend so much freaking time on LinkedIn. <laughs> There's the big secret. But it's like, I'm just using it as awareness. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just trying to get awareness. But then whenever people send me private messages, I'm like, okay, now they've gone to the second step of the funnel. They've interacted in some way. They've taken some kind of action. So at that point, I'm like, okay, let's have this conversation. Whether that's, I don't know, wanting to subscribe to our email list, wanting to pick my brain, wanted to chat, like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but if they've taken the time to reach out for any reason at all, they've clearly expressed their interest. Mm -hmm. So at that point, the next stage down is trust. So <laughs> trust is more of a tipping point than it is anything else. I always say this, but like people need to be able to trust you if they're going to purchase from you. They want to know that you're going to get things done on time. Mm -hmm. As creatives, we always have our portfolio. That's our biggest piece of trust building stuff that's out there. Today on LinkedIn, I posted a portfolio piece. Didn't really put a whole lot of reason to it. Trying to build trust as well. If people can see, if I can make people aware and if I can build that trust, maybe I can get them to sort of take that action. I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, keeping a an updated portfolio with constantly just newer stuff. If people see that you're really busy with stuff, they know, and they see that a lot of people are trusting you. That the other thing that I did today, sorry, I'm really going crazy. On no, this no, one. I love it. I'm super passionate about this right now. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I did this morning was, I mean, well, a couple of weeks ago, we started our summer referral program where it's like, Hey, refer us a business. I'll give you a $500 gift card. Um, uh, do a testimonial for us written $25 gift card video 50. So it's like just putting the stuff out there and being like those testimonials for for big ticket items to have that social proof that's huge as far as trust building. And then and only then whenever people will trust you can they then buy from you. And then even below buying it's rewarding that loyalty. Yeah. It's you know, talking to those people that you've worked with in the past and reaching out and just seeing like hey how how are things going. So this is what I walk people through as far as like, okay, well, where do we need to create video content for you? Where are these areas that you're weakest? And how, you know, for for us as you know business owners, we also have to keep this in mind for ourselves of like, where is the hole in the funnel? Is it at awareness? Are we are we doing a good job getting people aware? How do we measure that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but like, is, nobody's reaching out, so there's clearly an issue there. Um, if you know, are we not building enough trust with people for them to want to spend money on bigger ticket items? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. So it's, it's, I'm constantly looking for the hole in the funnel. And once I patch that one, okay, where's the next one? And I guess, again, that kind of goes to the wartime peacetime thing. Um, and but, can I ask you a question, yeah, Matt? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I know that I'm probably not the one supposed to be asking questions on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> um, but I'm just curious. Um, with with you do you enjoy patching holes in the funnel or creating more 
That's a, a great question. And I, I think the answer is that we don't ever have to commit to any one thing for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's bouncing a little bit. I have decided for myself that it is, I, I want a team around me. And I don't think that it's possible. And I, I hate to be this person because I try to prove this person wrong for a long time. I don't <laughs> think that it's possible to be able to successfully run a business and to work within the business. Now, I, I have a few things going for me that allows that. One, I have creative security. I, I know who I am and I, I trust that, you know, being creative is part of my identity, yes. But just because I stop doing things in certain ways doesn't mean that I'm not gonna be creative in other ways. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it, it came with wrestling with that idea whenever I started hiring more people. And it's like, well, I can't be CEO of a company and the lead animator. Mm -hmm. I just can't. I, I can do both of those jobs decently, <laughs> but I can't do both. Not really well. If I can't dedicate myself to it. I mean, you know, would you, would you trust an employee of yours to do like four different jobs? Probably not. Like you would know that they're getting pulled in a lot of areas. And I think mm -hmm. that as business owners, we don't really hold ourselves to that same standard. We yep. think that we can do it all because we know how to do it all. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Again, I, so no, I don't, I don't have any conflicting things, but yeah. whenever, whenever I feel like I need to make something, I'm going to make something. It might not be for the business, but I'm going to make yeah. something else. I don't know. Same. Yeah. It's just interesting because what got me into building my business was a passion for creating. Absolutely. Right. And I can confidently say today that I'm more so patching holes in the funnel um, right. for the last two years than I have been editing, producing, um, storyboarding, all the fun stuff. Right. But you're right. Uh, you know, and I agree. Like, it, hurt, it pains me to say it, but I totally agree. You have to be, you can't work within your own company if you're trying to run your business. It's tough. I mean, certainly... You can be a freelancer and you can try to do it all, right? You, you can try that. But, and that, that's kind of where I was and it was working. I was able to do it. So that's why I thought that maybe I could just keep doing this, but it wasn't until, and I talked about this on a previous podcast too, but like I, when it was just me and that one employee and we had this huge project, well, we just got out of a really bad time at that point where we went from August to November without a single project basically and I was freaking out but then we get the biggest project we've ever gotten at that point and I wasn't even happy I wasn't relieved because now I had to start the work and it was really tedious and it was 12 weeks long and it was hard and right at the beginning right at that transition point I had the first panic attack that I had since I was a little kid and I just I don't know. My body was starting to break and I, I, I couldn't see it at that point. It's easy to see it looking back now where it's like, oh my God, I put so much pressure on myself and I, I had so much responsibility that, and not only that, but I was also having another baby, not me personally, but my wife, uh, like in three or four months later, you know? So it was just like all of these things that just build up. I haven't had anything honestly close to that feeling since I started hiring more people on our team. And interesting, man. I, I definitely am learning something from hearing you talk because I'm like, 
you know, I, I, I've also been there. Like, I've had a panic attack. Um, I was actually on set once. Um, really? Uh, yeah, and... But I, had, I was surrounded by a whole team. You know, it's one of those right. things where um, I, you know, wrote this whole commercial in two days. It's a long story, but I pressed myself so hard um, that I, like, came to my wits end. And... Um, I definitely feel like as I get older and as I do this longer, um, I have just got to stop um, doing, trying, thinking that I can do it all. If that makes sense. Right. I, again, I, I think it's something that we can we can bounce in between. Not often, though. I think we need to. Our seasons need to be longer if we do that. It needs to be like, okay, you know what? For the next three months, I'm only making stuff. But you got to know that if you're going to be making stuff, who's out there having business development calls, and is it working? Because that that's another area that's it's just it's really difficult to sell without mm -hmm. the person that was there. Not again, not to say it can't be done, but it's just, it's more difficult. It just takes a lot more training and a lot more time, and they probably won't be able to do it as well as you would. But we we need to be okay with those things if we're going to go down that path, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's, but I don't, that moment for me specifically was like, I'm killing myself. I really am. Like, I yeah. I couldn't I couldn't go outside for three months. Like I was basically at at that moment, I was just making all the excuses in the world to just stay inside because I was too afraid to leave my house. I couldn't walk down the road. I couldn't run without getting dizzy. I couldn't take my kids to school. Like that. That was the only wake-up call that I needed, was whenever whenever that was impacting, not just the work that I was doing, but now it's impacting my family. There's and, something um, there, Matt. Like, yeah. there's something there. Like, because um, I can totally resonate with you. All the analogies that we've kind of thrown around, um, I think are all alluding at one idea. And, like, even the cliff analogy that I was saying. Right. Like it keeps getting steeper and steeper. Like, what is it that we're actually afraid of, and what's the worst case scenario? Right. And right. Um, and I think, <laughs> yeah, this is crazy, but I think it's the same thing that drives us to create. Um, for at least for me personally, I feel that what I'm afraid of. Uh, man, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this in a way that's not going to take an hour of unpacking my entire <laughs> life. Um, okay, so let me, so when you were describing staying home, it made me resonate because basically what I hear you saying is I felt safe at home. Right. And every, everywhere else felt scary, right. but I feel safe here. And I'm willing to bet that's probably where you create too, is home. Um, I, when I was a kid, grew up in an unbelievably strict uh, Pentecostal church environment, whereas borderline cult, I would say it was a cult, but uh, that was 16 years of my childhood. And uh, art class was the only place that I felt uh, like I could express myself and be, uh, it be praised. Whereas right. anywhere else, like I would express myself and it would be condemned. Like, don't listen to that music or don't talk like that or don't use those words or don't think those thoughts. 
But in art class, it was like the more I expressed, the better my grade. Mm -hmm. So um, as I've gotten older, I see my business much like my art class, where um, the thing that I fear the most is losing my creative space. Um, because right. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to lose that freedom. Um, so why do I get panic attacks? Why am I so afraid? Why am I so anxious? Because I've created a safe place with my business where I can be creative and share. Because while, Matt, you're not working on, maybe from what it sounds like, you're not working directly on every project, but what you are is you're building a vehicle that does create those projects and that's still creativity. Um, right. So I feel like for me personally, what I'm afraid of is losing my creative safe space, if that makes sense. Right. That's Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> no, that's an amazing way to, to say that, honestly. Um, I think that puts a lot of things into perspective because that's... I don't know. At this point, like I, I guess that's what it is. Like I don't, for me personally, like, I'm not afraid of that. If somebody took that away from me, I would, I would, I would do something else. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm a creator, and I have been since I was a little kid. That's the only thing that I believe that that I do well. But maybe that's not true. The other, I have other passions, right? Um, the other passion that I have is teaching. And nobody on my team knows it, but I'm being a teacher to them. <laughs> and like, that's, that's, I get so much fulfillment out of just like having one-on-one -on -one conversations, creating little programs of like, hey, okay, let's, I don't know, I don't want to say correcting, but it's like, yeah, whenever certain things happen, it's like, oh, you know what, if we did this, it's going to, it'd be better if we did that, whatever. But like, we have, this morning, again, I, I put together this whole like training thing for like someone's first day. And I don't know, I, I find a lot of enjoyment in those things. And um, Well, the product that you I create so I, I guess teaches it, people, if that makes sense. I, I mean, yeah, I guess in, in, a, in a way, yeah, what we do. But I don't know. Like, I, again, I don't want it to make it, make it seem like, again, I can do everything because I can't. But what I'm learning now is that I can oversee a lot of aspects of things that that's what makes me a little bit more unique is that I can critique writing I can critique animation I can I can create color like I can or design and illustration like I can do these things and that's what makes me unique and that's that's where my value is in my company and it's not necessary the a couple weeks ago it was a Friday and we were running behind on project on a schedule and I was going on vacation the next the next day. And I've tried so hard to not get into production. It's my checklist every month. I have like five items. The first one is always don't get into production. Sorry, if you hear banging on a door, it's because my That's okay. child <laughs> needs attention. Um, but uh, so it's don't get into production. And beginning of that day, Friday, we're like, we don't have anyone else to help with this. And it's like, okay, do I do I jump in and be the hero? Or do I just let <laughs> let it just happen the way it's going to? And 
there there are days where I will I will watch the thing burn. I will see I will say, let's see what happens. I am again just being a spectator to what's going on within the company sometimes. And uh, more often than not, people figure it out. But this in this case right here, I was like, there is just no possible way that we're gonna do this. So I was like, all right, listen, I'll jump in and like I'll animate this character, a couple characters or whatever, just to kind of get us on, on track. It took me probably like two or three hours of my morning, but even just that, everyone on the team felt better about it. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I like that, but I didn't really solve a bigger problem that needs to be fixed there. We, we, we didn't plan the project right. We didn't put the right resources in place, right? And it's not anyone's fault necessarily, but for me, I'm like, mm, that was the bigger problem that needed to be solved. That's where I need, I need to solve those problems, not just jump in whenever things hit the fan, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's a little off topic, I guess. But. No, yeah, it makes sense. I, mean, I kind of relate to both sides of those though, because the way that I've been able to do it is I moved more professionally away from the creative production side and more into the producing role and the writing role um, to allow myself to do more of my own creative freedom outside of that because I'm full-time producing, writing, creating outside of my full-time job because like the moment, you know, everything closes and I clock out for the day, it's I'm over to casting, I'm over in costuming, I'm over in, you know, these other creative aspects of my life and I think that it's it's good to be able to kind of balance those two worlds especially when you're in a position where you're you're leading other creatives because i do have that fear of oh my gosh if this doesn't go well i'm going to lose that creative space because i need that creative space i need that to be able to survive and thrive because i'm an artist but being able to kind of separate those two spaces out of this is my time where i'm leading other creatives and helping other artists produce great work and then versus this is my own work, this is my own creative space and my own creative time. Yeah, I think it's extremely like valid. I feel very similar. Um, where even within my own company, I do my own things constantly on the mm -hmm. side to maintain a level of sanity. Um, <laughs> it's a weird way of putting that, but um, <laughs> just to stay happy and I have to. Um, right. But yeah, so I totally relate with that. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, I, I, we can have this conversation, honestly, for another hour, and I would love to. But I'm sure you have things to get back to. So let's <laughs> go. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's go around the room here and just do some some final thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Nope. Jeremy, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> <clears throat> What a heavy conversation, to be honest. Like, at the end of this, I'm definitely feeling a little heavy of just like, Ugh. this is the stuff that no one wants when you are starting a business of like, but it's so necessary to talk through um, problems and systems. And I think the reason I feel drained is because as a creative person, I am not this is not how my brain's wired. Like I just don't like building and I shouldn't say that for every creative person, but I don't like building systems. I don't like, um, financial issues. I don't like billing. I don't like proposing, um, none of that stuff. Uh, 
and it's literally the, this entire conversation has been wrapped around like my least favorite things of business, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> and so heavy conversation, but also too like thinking through like those things are a necessity. Like it's in order to operate, you have to have systems, you have to have cash flow, you have to have uh, good communication amongst your team. So very practical conversation. Um, and I'm glad that we had it. Um, yeah. Any, yeah. any, uh, any last minute advice that you'd give to our younger audience on, uh, yeah, just deal, again, dealing with the bad days. I know that's, <laughs> it's another podcast episode. <laughs> I love it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, um, I would say, and so on topic with what we've been talking about, advice. Yeah, um, yeah, on yeah, just deal, dealing with the bad days of yeah creative bad days. I guess I don't. Know. Um, I think why I'm struggling is I feel like this is more of like a bad season rather than like an individual day. If that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think my advice is, it sounds so overly simplistic, but um, don't operate with your head down. Um, It's very easy to just look at your feet when things are going wrong, Um, but you have to maintain a big picture point of view. Um, You cannot just operate in thinking about the next 48 hours. When things are going to crap, Try your best to set aside time to think big picture. Um, so that's my advice. Yeah, Shelby. Yeah, I would. I would completely agree with that. I'm just thinking, being able to look at things from a 300 foot view. You know, looking down. Don't get bogged down by tiny little details, and remove yourself from the situation because if if you get too close and you get too personal, you lose it. You, you lose that perspective. So I think being able to step away, look at things big picture, and to don't, um, don't spread yourself too thin. Be able to know where you need to be when you need to be there. And just being able to gauge that within your company and then also within your own creative personal life as well. Right. I th- yeah. Any advice that we give, obviously, every situation's always different right it's it's tough to know what you're going through at the moment that you're going through it unless you honestly unless you have a great therapist that you're working with and even then it's not always super clear right um but i i there's a couple things there that i would say um if your bad day is due to i guess financial stress or anything that kind of stuff i think that the idea of figuring out what those KPIs are, something I was talking about earlier, like trying to figure out what what things you need to know to identify the health of your, the financial health of your company. Like what are those, those things, you know? Um, but the other thing that I'll say is, uh, it's something you started talking about a little bit, Jeremy, but it's, it's having that community of people that you can go to. I feel like this is how I end every episode. Make sure you have your community, but like, it's, it's, it's true. Good. Like, it, like there's, you know, I like to believe that like I'm part of probably nine or ten different communities, uh, most of which none of those communities would have any idea that I'm involved in them. 
but I think that's that's what makes us unique as people, honestly, is just like we are a combination of the communities that we are a part of, or we at least find find the people that we can relate to. But especially when it comes to going down a path that most wouldn't go down when it comes to business ownership. It's having those people that you can go to and ask for advice and, and just honestly just vent if you need to. But like like I have two or three people that I talk to all the time that like I try to pick people that are running similar style or size companies that I would like to run one day. And I don't know, I try to have coffee with them or just a chat with them once or twice a year. Um, but I mean, there's also business coaches, which I've never been to one before because it just gets weird to me. But I'm sure there's some out there that are really great if you just kind of pay attention to what their offering is, I guess. But it's always, it's weird. For, sorry, I'm going on here. It's weird for me whenever <laughs> someone is like a business coach, but they've never run a business before themselves. Or I'm like, well, you don't know. <laughs> but like... But like, and, and like, listen, they could, they might be able to give great advice, but all I say is just, uh, I don't know, there, there's so many people out there. Um, so like Chris Doe is somebody that we, we talk about quite a bit, especially me and Dylan early on, was he's somebody that created a multi-million dollar business and shut it all down so he could focus on education. I'm sure he's still making multi-millions, but, <laughs> but like, it's, it's this idea though. It's like, you know, just pay attention to who you're getting advice from and, um, find your community. Okay. That's, that's all I have now. So, no, I love it. uh, <laughs> all right. So Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us, Shelby, as always. Um, and, uh, that's it. We're supposed, love you, bye. We're, yeah. We're supposed to stay on a little bit, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know how this is supposed to end. No, okay. I just ruined your outro. All right, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start over. We're gonna leave that in. I'm gonna do this again. All right, love you, bye. The Comanzi Show is created Hopefully that by was, me. All right, guys. I feel like and if you I have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.